Damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 32 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. He's Next. And I'm here with one of my best friends, Demarcus. You got any AKAs for yourself today? No, not today. I'm good. All right, look, let's get right on into the show. We have an exciting show for you all today. We are going to get into the crazy tweet by the Las Vegas Raiders that has drawn a lot of uproar in the sports world recently. We are going to give you the run pass option RPO segment where we give you the hottest storylines of the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. We are going to get into the discussion for MVP. Now that we are at the final leg of the season, things have shaken out a lot differently than some Mm -hmm. of us may have predicted. And, of course, we are going to give you one more draft segment. We are going to talk about who is the most likely player to fall in the draft. And, last but not least, a big baller's bouquet to none other than Russell Westbrook. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. Welcome to the tee off. Oh, spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get themselves into. Today, however, we got to talk about a whole team. And no, this is not the Phoenix Suns incident. We are going to talk about the... <laughs> a little reachback. Uh, a little bit. I was like, what the, what the Suns do? They've been playing well. They, they have been playing well. But instead, we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. All right? So, yesterday, in the wake of the George Floyd trial coming to a close, the verdict coming out. They decided to make this tweet. They tweeted, and it's a graphic tweet of, I can breathe. Under it, it says the date for 2021. And I'm not, I can't help myself. I'm going to make it I can breathe 420 joke. Just because like, referencing it is more than enough. Listen, when you first told me about the tweet, I read it. Read the, the comments, the feedback, and I said, you know, maybe, maybe Mark Davis, the Raiders owner who sent out this tweet, was just enjoying 420 a bit too much and forgot about the context and would now rather not tell us that he was enjoying a little bit too much of the recreational um, activities in Las Vegas. It is legal in Las Vegas. It is indeed. And the NFL has finally stopped testing for it. So, but let's, let, let's talk about this. Who is this man's social media manager? Because you got to think about it like this. When this first comes out, everybody's going crazy about it. He says, the owner, Mark Davis, he's like, I take full responsibility for this. It was no one else's idea. I wanted this tweet to be put out. He does not have his own personal Twitter, so he does not tweet. So you got to think, he gets on the phone, he makes a call. Mm -hmm. Right? You got to think about how this goes down because everybody's like, oh, they're going to fire the social media manager. How did this social media manager let this shit happen? And now I'm thinking, like, no. Imagine if it happened the way he actually says it does. He makes a call. 
whoever he's calling is not the person that actually tweets this tweet, right? That person then makes a call to someone else's boss. It's like, yo, I need you to tweet this I can breathe 420 stuff. Get out, um, get out graphic designer on it, right? Because <laughs> it's not a, it's, it's, it's not text. They made a graphic. So get out graphic mm-hmm. designer on it. Get our social media team on it. We want it now. That person probably then turns around, looks at like a 22-year-old is like, I need you all to do this. I'll say a few things. Number one, the Raiders social media manager is probably the lowest paid social media manager in the league. I'm, I'm going to be honest. We've keep it kept it real with y'all. I will tell you when the owners, who are, are still rich compared to me, but compared to other owners, Mark Davis is broke. And... Between all that money, he's paying uh, Gruden to go eight and eight, and or seven and nine, and all the money that he paid to move the team. I I don't think he's paying for the top notch social media consultant. Okay, think about it like this: Do you think that twenty two year old maybe turns around and is like, "Hey guys, I don't think this is a good idea." Depends on who they are, but perhaps they they, they do. And then your boss looks at you and goes, "Shut up, do it." Because my boss's boss's boss has demanded it. Like, you got to think, they're like, who is this person? Fire this team. Imagine the line of people that this possibly goes through and how many of them might look up and be like, hey, guys, I don't know if we should do this. And the guy all the way at the top, everybody's like, but he said to do it. So, (laughs) like, that is so terrible. So, of course, this causes a massive uproar. A ton of celebrities are quote tweeting it saying, I cannot believe that you did this. LeBron James, Isaiah Thomas, a host of other athletes in the NFL, the NBA, commentators, everybody. The response by the Las Vegas Raiders. And this is like the biggest keep that same energy move is they then pin the tweet. So imagine the backlash gets back to the owner and he's like, Go ahead and pin that shit, homie. He said double down. Yeah, he's like, go ahead and pin that. Let him know. Of course, that causes people to go into even more outrage, uproar, etc. Mark Davis then, like, of course, gets interviewed about this, has mm-hmm. to do a little bit of cleanup. And he's like, look, I'm taking my cues from the Floyd family. I don't listen to talking heads is what he says. And one, you know, look, this is what he says. I, I know what he said. Go Tell the people. And George Floyd's brother said, today, I can breathe again. Right? So he's like, oh, he can breathe. So obviously, I can breathe, too. Let's go ahead and tweet that one. No? Ignorance. No? Ignorance. I mean, if he can breathe, obviously, I can breathe, too. People are like, you don't understand the history of this. He does not. Let's talk about the history of this Eric Gardner, another unarmed black man killed by the police who is also yelling, I cannot breathe, that he is being murdered. He did not know that the cops, of course, every time there is a movement for anything, for rights for black people, there must be a counter movement by racists who are wearing the I can breathe t-shirts to show support for the police in this situation. Something he was not privy to, right? Right. But he says, and I got a quote, I will not delete it. I could unpin it and let it run its courts. <laughs> but it's already out there. I rarely, rarely post stuff and I am not into erasing something. It is not an apology. I am not embarrassed by what I said. 
But I did learn something new. But I don't get why he couldn't acknowledge that it could at the same time be wrong and remain up. Because he didn't acknowledge that he hadn't done any wrong. He he said it's not wrong. So, to be fair, all the backlash, very reasonable. But George Floyd's family, particularly his brother, came out in support of this. He said he supports the statement made by the Las Vegas Raiders. And he wanted to put out a message. And I will quote this message because this is very important. And I think these are the feelings that should be paramount when we are discussing this conversation in particular because that is this man's family so on behalf of our family i would like to extend our deepest gratitude to the las vegas raiders organization and its leadership for their support of our family and for our nation's ongoing pursuit of justice and equality for all now more than ever we must come together as one and continue in this fight for the first time in almost a year our family has taken a breath and i know that goes for so many across the nation and the globe as well let us take this breath together in honor of my big brother who could it. Let's do it for George. I think that is a very dignified statement from, uh, I believe, his name is Mr. Floyd, I presume. Yes. Uh, his first name I cannot pronounce and I refuse to butcher it. So, Mr. Floyd. Yes. Uh, that was a very dignified response from Mr. Floyd. And I think he did the right thing of using the attention that this moment and Mark Davis put on him to further a message I believe George Floyd would agree with. So kudos to the brother. That being said, I do think if I were to, I, I would think that if we were to have a one-on-one -on -one private conversation with the family or the brother, some of them may have a problem with it. Not because I think, and it could certainly be possible that Mark Davis is a supporter of, uh, you know, protest movements and Black Lives Matter. Who knows? Who knows? If you think about the history of the Raiders, his father before him, they are, they were seen kind of the way the Bucks are seen in the like more recent years. A little bit more progressive than the other owners. Yes, yes progressive. Uh, hired one of the first black head coaches. Hired the first female his, executive. Hispanic as well. Yes. Head coach. Mm -hmm. All of that. So they, they certainly could be a little bit better than uh, than other owners on this. But at least from what I've seen from the NFL and owners over the past year, I don't have anything to point me to say that he is not his dad. He's not his father. I don't know if he has the same views. I would hope that his dad influenced him. But I think within the context of not just the George, uh, the George Floyd um, you know, murder and the Derek Chauvin trial, but the greater context of the entire Black Lives Matter movement, I Can't Breathe being a slogan for it, he he has to at least acknowledge that some people, despite his best intentions, may be hurt uh, and impacted by this message. I don't think that's a ridiculous statement to put out. Even if you're like, hey, I'm taking my cues from the Floyd family. They're okay with this. I apologize if it upset anyone else, but this is where it's at. He could have said that, and it's a much, it's a much better way to frame it than doubling down. And it's not that he's necessarily wrong. I, 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 I think you're right. We should defer to the family on this. But I think I would say the family's doing the dignified thing as opposed to maybe what they sometimes want to say. And there's there's one member of his family as well. We don't know what other yes. members feel about this. So that's that's my little piece on that. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think maybe the larger issue is something that we should talk about. It's like the rush to want to be a part of a collective catharsis. Mm -hmm. that maybe people did not actually have any real connection to. 
Well, there was no stakeholder. There was no stake to be held in this for Mark Davis, as far as I know. He had not spoken out publicly, to my knowledge, about the trial or George Floyd or any of the movements that happened. Almost nobody did, but I. But everybody was on Twitter tweeting about it. Right, unless you were in, you were supporting it in in May of last year when it happened. Mm-hmm. Don't hop on now. Be you. But that. But that's kind of. What it is for everybody. Keep that like same Everybody energy. wanted to talk about how they were so relieved for it. They wanted to call it justice. I don't think like, it's that. But tell me, is that not everything that was in your phone? Oh, it absolutely was. The, by corporations, large scale people who maybe have not put in any of the actual effort or skin in the game behind these type of justice concepts no people who i think you could say pretty clearly want to profit off of seemingly being woke mm-hmm. and the same day within an hour of that verdict another unarmed black person this time a woman in ohio Bakaya Bryant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. woman is woman is an exaggeration well, when they're black, they're women. When they're white, yeah, they're girls. Yeah, yeah I, I had to catch myself. I had to catch... As teenage as girl. Teenager. Yeah, teenage girl. Teenage girl. Murdered because she had a knife. Well, I believe, if, if I remember correctly, some details have started to come out. She called the police for help because she was being threatened by another group of teenagers, if I remember correctly. So, in this case, I mean, we, I mean this is sorry. I'm sorry that this is a lesson that people still have to acknowledge but black people can't call the police for help but don't worry the las vegas raiders can breed the demarcus if you're if you if you're so about the movement where's your call for action on this if you're not talking about they were they were quick to get that i can breathe off mm-hmm. within they two were, hours of the yeah murder. they look she'd already been killed <laughs> but they was quick to get that i can breathe off where's the energy at today does that honestly that's what i need and that is the kind of most damaging part of having these conversations. They yeah. only here for the wave when it's hot. It is. If if you black, if it did it feel was it was it bad to have this? No. But I don't know that it was good either. Cuz it, it didn't change nothing. It should yeah, it didn't change anything and it didn't change the system that allowed George Floyd to be killed. In fact, we saw it continue as soon as the verdict happened. Right. I think the verdict allows people to say, hey, it's one bad apple. The system is fine. No, 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 no. This is the one bad apple that got caught. And I, 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 I believe. And there's another teenage girl who we should think, which is the lady who recorded this video mm-hmm. of George Floyd. And if it not, had not been for her, I don't think this is a conviction. If the video doesn't get released by her and go viral, I don't think this is a conviction. I'm not even sure it's a trial. Mm-hmm. It's the because I don't know if you look back and saw. The statement that the Minneapolis police released the day after George Floyd was killed, they're like, black man, or like, they're like, uh, assailant dies due to health issue in custody. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then they all wanted to be like, no, he was totally wrong in the trial. Right. And so, unless we have those videos, unless we have people who do keep that same energy on a day-to-day basis in the streets, we're not going to have any progress. Mark Davis, if you want to come to the party, stay at the party. Don't leave. Facts, and that was your tee off. Oh, spit that tea, sis. Spit that tea, sis.
Yalisani Playboy. All right, let's get into the RPO Run Pass Options segment where we give you the hottest storylines in sports news for the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. Take us away, Demarcus. So we're going to talk about a former great passer in the association, Dwayne Wade, who recently became part owner of the Utah Jazz and will now join their ownership group. What's your initial reaction to this, run or pass? Okay, I'll run. My initial reaction is the Utah Jazz? The Utah Jazz. Yeah, that was my initial reaction. Like, the Utah Jazz, question mark. Then it was like, great for D-Wade. It's great to see the, well, greats in a sport then get to that next level of ownership. I immediately think, why not the Heat? He is a literal Heat legend. Some people might call him the greatest player to ever wear a Heat jersey. Or the Bulls. What? Well, it's hometown. He played a, what, a year and a half there? A, a year. But that's his that's his hometown team. It is his hometown team, but he played a year there. It, it, okay. It was great to have him there for the city, but it so wasn't like... So you can get your like, D-Wade jersey? It, 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 but, it, it, like, stop. He's a Miami Heat. That's what we will always think about D-Wade as. D-Wade in the Heat jersey. D-Wade getting the nickname Flash and leading them to a chip with Shaq. Then two more chips next to LeBron. Like, it, D-Wade is a, is a Heat lifer, basically. But... Here we are. So I immediately thought, well, why not the why not why not the Heat? And it's weird because on the day this came out, the Heat owner Mickey Arison tweeted, and he actually said, "I want to congratulate Dwayne Wade." It, we discussed him joining the Heat ownership group at some point in time. He declined at that point in time, and then this happened. Uh, I want to wish him the best. I wish he had reconsidered my offer, but that's okay. So he seemed a little salty when he did it, right? And it does lead to a lot of questions why he decided not to do the Heat. Stephen A. Smith and Spike Lee were saying that he had no other option, which is something that's interesting to me. Uh, most of the, What I want to say is, best case scenario, I hope he can kind of transform the understanding of the league vis-a-vis Utah. Right, Utah is one of the places that people say is like basically one of the most racist places in the NBA that you can play in. The things people yell in the, cr- in the crowd... We remember Russell Westbrook getting into it with one of the uh, attendees there, and that guy ended up getting banned for life. A heckler. Yes. So I just hope that D-Way can be transformative for kind of Utah. All right. Uh, I get that. So let's talk about somewhere in a little bit down south. We got some news on LaMelo Ball. He has an injury update. He is out of his uh, brace or his cast. He is healed. He's been cleared for basketball activities. He's now expected to be back in seven to 10 days. So around the end of April, uh, runner pass on LaMelo helping the Hornets possibly have a first round playoff win. Okay. uh, Let's slow down. So (laughs) the first thing I'm going to say is pass on the win because the Hornets are eighth in the East right now. They were fourth when he got hurt. And then they dropped down to eight, but like they held it in for him. I am excited for LaMelo to come back. Basketball was much more exciting when he was around. I will 100% say that the Hornets are still a good team, and but they were more exciting when he was on the floor with them. What I will say is LaMelo Ball gives me hope that A, they can possibly avoid the play-in game because they're not too far off from the sixth seed. 
Mm-hmm. But more importantly, if they end up in the play-in, LaMelo Ball gives me faith that they will win that play-in series and get to the actual playoffs. Unfortunately, that means they might hit like the Nets or Philly. So no, pass on them winning. <laughs> They'll well, get crushed. Well, if they avoid the play-in, that means they're number six. They might. And that would be, who's the third team in the East right now? Bucks. Bucks, or in the fourth would be either probably Atlanta or... They'd have to get to five. I don't think they'd they have to, to five. Get, they have yeah. to get to five. No, they don't yeah. get there. I don't, I don't think they can. Their best is six. It's not extremely likely, but they're eight right now. They shouldn't fall out of eight. They should be in the playing tournament. I imagine that they can, with Lamelo, get out the playing tournament, get in the playoffs, have a exciting first round where we get to see Lamelo Ball play against some of our greats. But like ultimately they'll lose. But it'll be great to watch. He is. Basically, as soon as he steps on the court, he has reclaimed the Rookie of the Year award, period. I agree. Now let's move on to Alex Smith, who, after 16 seasons, recently announced his retirement from the NFL. Runner pass on Alex Smith being a future Hall of Famer. Pass on him being a future Hall of Famer. He's a former number one overall pick. He had an amazing career, and what he has done in the past year is unfathomable mm-hmm. he basically blew apart his leg like he like the injury he got to his leg is something that you would see in the military not in football had like a ton of surgeries came back and it's crazy to me to say this but has there ever been a comeback player of the year who retired the very next season i think that might be the uh, first in nfl history And it's like crazy to see, but it seemed like he wanted another chance to start, prove he could play. He was not given that opportunity. And even in Washington, they kind of held him back some because they were afraid of what could happen to him. And I think he did not want to play encumbered by people wanting to pull him back when he knows his body the most. He had an opportunity to be a backup in Jacksonville. He said no to that. And look. Alex Smith's career is amazing. It is undeniable what he did. And I think he puts a mark on the league forever with this last season, going 5-1 and one after that horrific injury. Now, let's keep it on shocking retirement decisions. All right. So recently, LaMarcus Aldridge has announced his retirement after having complications with an irregular heartbeat. Came out of nowhere, shocked the entire world. Do you think this changes the chance for the Nets to get to the finals? Because Aldridge is a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. So I'm going to run on this. I agree. Aldridge is a Hall of Famer. He has been a great player for at least two different franchises. He, I believe, helped bring the Trailblazers back to relevance in the mid-2000s and helped form the bridge to the current uh, Trailblazers era with Dame and kind of the core that there that is there now. He then went to San Antonio, helped kept the spirit of the Spurs relevant as the kind of core retired and kept them a contender and a playoff team under Pop and got some help eventually. And then was about to go on his kind of third act and help the Nets, I believe, get to at least the finals. And and it's sad to not see him there because I think that he has a big impact on the Nets uh, going into the playoffs. The Nets have been super hurt. 
Harden is out indefinitely. KD got nicked up again. Kyrie could um, eat a piece of chocolate cake and not want to come into work tomorrow. So they he was going to be an integral part of this team, especially with the number of bigs they were going to have to go through in the East to get to where they want to go. So between him not being there to guard and or you know give work to, to Giannis or Embiid or whomever, that's going to make it much harder for the Nets to get to the finals and where they want to go. All right. Let's move on to some other major basketball news. It has been announced that the GOAT, Michael Jordan, will be the one to induct Kobe Bryant into the Hall of Fame. Is this the right choice? Run or pass? I'm going to run, run, run. This is a fantastic choice. I believe this choice would have happened regardless of Kobe passing away or not. Last year, about this time, we're all watching the Last Dance documentary. There's an episode dedicated to Kobe, and there's lots of Kobe stuff sprinkled in throughout. And basically what we learn is that Kobe and MJ were a lot closer than any of us had ever been led to believe. MJ was helping 18-year-old Kobe work on his game. Kobe and MJ texted all the time at 2, 3 in the morning about everything from raising kids to business to basketball, etc. And in particular, Michael's speech at Kobe's memorial last year also solidified this. So between their close relationship, the idea that they already talk and probably, and I believe, I like 99.99% believe that if Kobe Bryant is alive, Michael Jordan is the first person that he asked to present him for the Hall of Fame because there is no Kobe without Michael. Kobe's game is Michael's game. Kobe will admit it. Kobe would, would tell you there's no debate about who's better, Kobe or Michael, because there's no Kobe without Michael. And so I think this is a fantastic move. Uh, I don't know who requested this. I don't know if it was Vanessa Bryant or you know someone else. I know he's not close with his mom and dad, so maybe it was his wife. But fantastic, fantastic choice. I want to watch this speech. This may be one of the few times that I tune into all of the Basketball Hall of Fame festivities. And I would not be surprised if I shed some tears by the end of that. Okay, speaking of, you know, Vanessa Bryant, what's going on? Recently, we've heard that Nike and Kobe's shoe relationship has currently ended. They did not renew their contract conversation. Do you think this is... Permanent, run or pass? Uh, I'll run. I'm not sure if it's permanent. I do respect Vanessa's right to manage the way her husband, her 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 husband is viewed in the world. Um, I don't know if this is a. I think it's probably more about a who controls what comes out kind of thing, as opposed to anything else that anyone could speculate about. No one should be upset with Vanessa about this. This is her right, 100. Um, percent If I am her, I think I should have some control over whether or not I see images and reminders of my now deceased husband and daughter every day. Yeah. And it also was reported that Kobe was planning to split with Nike. Anyway, they have a current dispute about how Nike kind of short sells stock to create a massive hype and accessibility. So making the key frame when she was asked about this, about accessibility to the shoes that they exist was massive. And it's something that we don't think about enough because of the oligarchy that is shoes. Well, Nike in shoes in particular, because people, everybody, when they heard about this was 
more upset for selfish reason. They're like, I'm not going to be able to buy any Kobe's anymore. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't care about you. Mm-hmm. you ain't, I, I could care less, quite literally. You are not important in the big scheme of things. The Bryant family and the other people lost in the tragedy last year are the most important people. I don't care what you think. So if this is what Kobe wanted, if this is what Vanessa wants for her, her husband's image, then so be it. All right, one last thing here, a little cleanup from last week is the Aaron Donald update. He's innocent. A video showed that he was actually helping the man that sued him as he was getting jumped. And the man, as well as his lawyer, have issued an apology to Aaron Donald. Weirdly enough, you criticized me for taking a knee on this exact exact issue last week because there wasn't enough information. Where are you at with this story right now? Um... I think it's always important to wait for the facts. We try to do that here quite a bit, actually, where we will maybe not be as you know quick to jump on somebody and to pass any judgment on them until we have more of the facts. And this is going to be continue to be a thing on this show, especially, I think, in particular, the context of we are both black men and we understand how narratives about black men happen sometimes. And sometimes there's no truth to them whatsoever. In this case... One little trickle came out. We said, let's wait for some more information. More came out. The The accuser was, fortunately in this case, humble enough to say, my bad. I made a mistake. It wasn't Aaron Donald. But there are plenty of cases where that does not happen. And he there's a whole ordeal. That. Did you see the video? I Yeah. yeah Bruh came couldn't. in and tried to like grab three niggas off of him. There's another case where, the man. what if there was no video? Facts. Another case where, what Facts. if there was no video? We got to give... This is why it's always important, I think, in these cases. So I think if there's no video, and these are two very different cases, and either there's Aaron Donald fight or George Floyd, it goes totally differently. It goes totally differently. So thank God for someone who ever invented the, the cell phone video camera. And we are going to continue to hold judgment until we get more information, even if it seems as though the information that's already out there is overwhelming. a playboy affair let's get into the mvp conversation we are at the very tail end of the league regular season less than like what a month left less the season ends like may 16th okay less than a month left there i feel like the mvp conversation has been solidified there's a clear top four to me at this point and i want to start with the person that is vaulting up this list as hard as they can Steph Curry, your favorite. <laughs> All right, talk to us. The MVP case for Steph Curry. Are you buying it? Are you selling it? Where are we at? My man, listen, I would love for Steph to win an MVP. I don't think it'll happen, though. And that's coming from possibly one of the biggest Steph Curry fans in this country or on the planet right now. He has been doing amazing things, things that are very short list NBA kind of things for the month of April, which we're still in, by the way, you'll see this on April 23rd. Thus far, he's averaging 40 points a game, 55% from the field, 50% from three and 91% from the free throw line. So a 50, 50, 90. Yeah. Not a 50, 40, 90. Right. And even, you know, people are the, the, the two things that put how good Steph Curry is as a shooter into perspective are this. It's that if Steph Curry went 0 for 500 
on his next three-point attempts, he would still, still have a higher three-point percentage than James Harden. He could go 0 for 500, 0 for 500, and still have a higher career percentage than James Harden. Steph, for his career, shoots about 42, 43% from three, which, if you know anything about basketball, bonkers, crazy, good players, Luka, LeBron, they are like in the low 30s. You remember when um, like five years ago, shooting 40% from three was like unheard of and we were just like, well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is this? He's cheating. <laughs> he broke the game. He's a cheat code. He's still a cheat code, by the oh, way. Oh, he's a, <laughs> the cheat code is worse now. Yeah, the, the thing with Steph is he had a he is the only player ever to have a unanimous MVP season. That was the 2015-16. The team goes... 73 and 9. He breaks his own three point record over 400 that season. Just ridiculous numbers. 50, 40, 90. He's playing better than that right now and has been for an extended stretch of the season. I just think it's going to come a little bit too late for it to factor into the narrative for a lot of NBA writers. That and the Warriors are too low down in the Western standings. He's missed a little bit too much time. They've slipped a little bit too much for him to be there. They can't win when he doesn't play. No. And the crazy thing about this is this brings me to the second person that I want to talk about. And that's Dame. Okay. So if you're a frequent listener of the pod, when we first wanted to have a smaller MVP conversation, we talked about Jokic and Dame. Mm-hmm. And I had my entire cape on for Dame. I was flying the flag high. I was like, watch, Dame is going to go on a tear to end the season. And it's going to vault him up in our minds. And then Steph Curry did everything that I thought Dame was going to do. What he always has done. And Dame instead fell off. Dame has fallen off. In the month of April, he now averages only 21 points a game. His season average is 28. Right? So he's gotten worse over this last month. And he tried to talk about this and explain it. He said, look, a lot of people don't watch my games. They just see the stat lines. See how he had 15 points. They don't see that people are guarding me full court mm-hmm. all up in my face. They don't see that I'm getting doubled at half court, trapped, right? And I thought to myself, who does that remind you of, Demarcus? Steph. Oh, Steph is averaging 40 in April, being guarded full court, double teamed at half court. And I'll add he's .1 points per game behind Bradley Bill for the overall scoring championship. Look, all all I'm saying is that quote by Dame kind of solidified the fact that he has no chance anymore because he's trying to explain his failings away as if there's not another player in the league being guarded the same exact way. Matter of fact, they guard you the way they guarded Steph. That was the blueprint. Steph is the blueprint for Dame. There is no Dame today without Steph. It was crazy to me. So I think Steph has really kind of killed any chance that Dame has at winning MVP because of what we have seen so far. And the small market is a double-edged sword. You play your games really late. So West Coast. Half the, half, the world, half the country is asleep already. Small market. So that helps you when you're doing a little bit poorly because people aren't seeing those poor performances. But sometimes it hurts you when you are playing ridiculously out of your mind because no one sees those performances. So I'll say yes and no to this a little bit because Steph's also on the West Coast. 
and I, I watch his game. Not a small market. Though. <laughs> not a small market. That's no. thing. He's on the West Coast, but he's not in a small market. Because I'm, I'm gonna watch his games, or I'll, or even better yet, Twitter. Just Twitter or Facebook. You're just scrolling. You're doing your thing, having a nice evening. People are like, Steph is going off. And you're just like, oh, I might have to have to check that out. Or I have an Apple TV. It'll be like close game. The Warriors are leading by three with two minutes to go, and I'm like. Mm. I gotta click on uh-huh. that. I gotta click on that. The Boston game, one of the best oh, games of the season. Yo. Steph showed out and battled Jason Tatum for 48 minutes. And Jason Tatum had an amazing. Jason Tatum is actually on an amazing stretch of basketball right now. Highly underrated. Yes, stretch he's going through. Now there's another guy who Tatum wishes he could beat, Joel Embiid, who was the early oh. MVP favorite. Look, if we're doing rankings right now. I still have him at number two for me. I'd have Steph at three, maybe Dame at four, but I'd have Joel Embiid still at two. And I think the only way you take this award away from Joel Embiid is that he has not played enough games. That stretch of time he missed when he got injured. Otherwise, I feel like this is his award to lose. Number one seed in the East. The only person that has a better case at him is obviously Jokic, who you've been on since the get-go. So I'm like giving you props with I'm gonna give you your flowers right now. But he's first seed in the East, better record than the Nuggets, right? He is the most dominant two-way player in the league today. He's averaging 30 points a game, a steal, a block and a half, eleven rebounds, three assists. The man is going insane. Legitimate defensive player of the year candidate as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And he said it himself. When you put both of those things together, how am I not the MVP? DeMarcus? I think you're right. Well, this we know this. This the, the games played is a huge part of this. I think the rest of the resume is there. I think the games played is gonna is gonna be what gets him. And I think even if there are people who are willing to vote for him despite that. I think, I think, especially if Steph keeps this up for another few weeks, he's going to steal some votes. Steph is going to be like third in the final vote tally at the end of it. And he won't have a chance to win it. But he, if it is close between Jokic and Embiid, Steph will decide who wins that. Was what I think will happen. Now for Jokic, this is, this is real simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Embiid's first in the East. Cool. KD's hurt. Bucks are retooling. Miami had a bunch of big trades to get better. They should be the first in the East. Second, the <laughs> talking shit. The the Nuggets are fourth right now in the West, which is difficult, but could be as high as two or three when the season is done because of injuries. So we got a new Kawhi injury. He's got a, some soreness in his foot. He's gonna be out for a bit. The, the Clippers are, I think, second right now. Yeah, but Paul third. Paul George is playing nuts. He is not letting the Clippers falter at. All. He is absolutely, but then we also have the injury to Jamal Murray, and I think the uh, that the Jazz will come down a little bit uh, off of that, and so I think the Nuggets can get highest. Donovan Mitchell or Don, sorry, yeah, Donovan or that the but they're I, both injured. To be fair, yes, yes. <laughs> Anyways, everybody injured, but Jokic is still there. The teams in front of him are mostly going to fall, except for the Suns, I think. And so he can get as high as the two seed in the West, which is is just great. That's difficult to do. That's hard stuff. You had a fantastic season. The narrative is already there. 
He's had huge improvements off of last year. Now that other injuries are happening on his team, he is still the catalyst driving them to wins every night. It's it's all there. There's no way he loses if after Jamal Murray gets hurt, he leads them to actually propel up the standings. Yeah, if he gets them to second, that's MVP. I, okay, I don't think he can get them to second. The it's Jazz, not as far they, off as you think. The Jazz are really still far a good team. up there, dude. Like just between the Jazz and the between the Jazz and the Suns, I just like three at best. But even then, that's a fantastic season in the West. Yo, I think I'm, you still win it. I'm not. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just saying. Like I, I have faith in the Jazz. They've been really well coached all season. But I'm with you. This would be interesting. I do think Jokic is now the runaway favorite. I just wish we have to wait. I can't wait for June for this. June? <laughs> I got. We've been talking about this since no December. Maybe yeah. So it's going to be six or seven months of this constantly changing MVP story. Everybody votes in mid-May. Exactly. And then we get to see the playoffs change the way that we feel about everything. I much LeBron exists. I much like them having it in like the second round of the playoffs. Like if you're if you're that guy, your team should be in the second round. Before the series starts, you get your little ceremony. We might get a good speech. Those are some of the best speeches. The KD speech. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You're the real MVP? Ah, oh man. That's forever going to hit. Facts, facts. And it's not the same when it's at some glitzy award ceremony in like June. I do agree. It it feels like it has less meaning. Plus the other guys can see you do it and they get upset. They want to play harder. <laughs> and I'm, I need that. Especially with no fans for most of these playoffs, playoff series. Because they're still shut down due to, to COVID restrictions in most mm-hmm. places. I think some places will have fans. So it's yeah. going to be very strange. <laughs> but even watching games, I'm like, I'm watching the Boston Warriors game. Fantastic game. Best game of the season. And I'm like... There's something missing, and it's the energy that the fans give off. Because you can feel it at home, too. You could feel it like when the Warriors used to play, and you could hear Oracle going crazy. You'd be like, oh, it's hot in there. (laughs) I want to be there. It makes you want to be there, and I don't Mm -hmm. have that feeling anymore. It's just watching, and it feels a little bit more disconnected. Okay, I'm with you. the players that we talked about today are the ones who make me feel like I'm connected again to the game, who make me ooh and ah and do all that during the game. And so I think it's Jokic, even though he's the least ooh and ah player, but the others, Embiid, who does crazy athletic things, Steph, etc., are going to give him a run for his money over the next three weeks. Let's not play, boy. All right, all right. I want to get into some draft talk. This is about like the last time we're going to be able to talk about the draft before it happens. And every year, every year, there's always a person that has a ton of media hype. We talk about it a lot. People think it's going to go super high. And then he plummets and falls down the draft heavy. And I always think in retrospect, there's also a lot of like, we could have seen this one coming. There was some bad tape out there. It's all media guys talking about this person. And afterwards, you look at it all and you're like, hmm. There is no way anybody, like any GM or coach, could have thought all the things that we were thinking. You know what I mean? Look, look, yeah. (laughs) And every year I feel like there is that one guy that does that for me. So the thing that I did real quick was Google Jordan Love mock draft. Hmm. Yes. And I want to tell you, I think there, who is this year's Jordan Love is really my question. So, Sports Illustrated 
had Jordan Love going possibly five or six. CBS Sports' R.J. White had him going six. NFL's Chad Reuter had him going ten. Mm. ESPN Todd McShay had him going six. Right? Look, he went 26th. Yeah, and I'm looking at the teams they had taking him. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they had, what, the Saints, the Chargers, the Dolphins, people who did take quarterbacks, but not that guy. I was sure last year before the draft that Tua was going to Miami. That was all but but done, and I knew that as a regular person walking on the streets. <laughs> New Orleans had Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and they had two backups that they liked. They had Jameis Winston, and they had Taysom Hill. Yes. There's no way they're drafting a quarterback number 10. Bull. And then <laughs> <laughs> we, we, got, we got the Chargers, who we know were in love. And I do mean in love, like romantically in love with Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. They were never going to draft Jordan Love. Like, no. Look, and it was the right choice not to. Because everything we've heard about Jordan Love, obviously we've seen him not play at all. But all the like leaks and stories out of practice is this guy is not very good. This guy is rough. And I don't know because I have not seen him play. I'm just saying what we have all seen and heard people say. And it's not good at all. So you got to think about it. He's falling all the way down to 26, and Green Bay moves up to catch him. So you don't even know how far he would have actually fallen. Maybe out of the first round. A hundred percent. So I got to ask you, who is the guy in this year's draft? Look, especially if you have a quarterback take, I'd love it. That is going to be this year's Jordan Love. The one that everybody is like in retrospect. Uh, Look, the tape did not say what all the talkie heads said it said. For the purposes of this, we are not the talking heads. Okay, okay. <laughs> because I have been really, really low on Mac Jones this entire time. I think Mac Jones is the number one candidate to fall. Some people have him going to San Francisco at four. Others have him going at like seven. I don't see that happening. Or, or three. But three, seven, top ten. And there's mm-hmm. five quarterbacks supposed to go. People are saying the Patriots will move up and get him. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. few reasons. I think, number one, something that no one is talking about in the media, but we've talked about here on the Flyer Out podcast very much, is his character concerns. Did some more digging, got some more research done. He has two DUIs, one from high school, one from college. Is that okay. your franchise quarterback? Is, I mean, look, people have chosen worse guys. Oh, absolutely. Now, keeping it moving on the field. Yes, played at Alabama. There's a narrative of guys coming out of Alabama. Number one, Alabama does not produce quarterbacks. They produce skill position players on offense and defense and occasionally an offensive lineman. Number two, Alabama often overworks their players. They come into the NFL either burnt out or on the cusp of a major injury. Third, I got I got some stuff for Yo, you. Yo, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> loving this. Uh, third is look at who he played with, which is the argument we did on our draft preview about a month ago. He has guys like Devontae Smith, who was my second candidate to fall, actually. Ooh. Let me get to that in a second. Yeah, people say he's small. He's 6'1", 175. People say he's not even 6'1", and he's actually one. He's about as thick as this Mike Pole. Like, his no, legs is... No, he recently got remeasured. And you know, like, how the KD thing came up, and everybody's like, yo, KD, you've been lying, bro. You like 7'2". <laughs> like, they said the reverse for him. He's actually, like, 6 feet 2 inches 
166, 160. Ooh, ooh. Yes. Yes. Tiny. Yes. Like he's been officially weighed and he is smaller than advertised. And though he was fantastic at Alabama getting throws from Mac Jones, I think that his size will be a huge concern for NFL teams. We've, we, we watch football. We love football. And the thing that football fans love are the hits, especially the wide receiver talking trash, go over the middle, and he going to get hit in the mouth. I don't know if this guy gets up if he gets hit in the, hit in the mouth. He, he's, he's small. He, he real, I, I've seen middle school children bigger than him. Stop. I, right hand to God. I would testify in open court right now. I have a middle school student in my class personally right one. now who is six foot and easily 170. I swear to God. Look, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Look, I believe you. I believe Who you got, you. though? Who you got? Okay. Okay, if we're talking quarterbacks. Right now, hmm, here, here, here's what I'm going to say. I honestly believe that it's more likely than not it's Zach Wilson. Mm. Zach Wilson is the person whose tape will not match at the end of it all. And they'll say the same things they said about Jordan Love, where they were like, Jordan Love was really good the year before his last year, but his final year, he had a poor O-line. He had a younger team, way less help. So the tape looked worse. But what we saw from before was super great. And he has a high ceiling that we can obviously achieve. And look, if he does not get taken at two, that's a plummet fall for me. And someone will maybe possibly come up and try to grab him and think that they've gotten a steal. And mm -mm -mm, that's fair. It won't come out the way it's supposed to. I just, I think he's a prime candidate to be a bust. But every, every, and I do mean like every mock draft since like January has had him going to the Jets. And But that's kind of the point. I read you all the mock drafts. You did. He's at six. He's at six. He's at five. He's at ten. I maybe the Jets are. Well, why would the Jets put out the smoke screen? They don't have to. They know who number one's going to be. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence, and the Jets have their pick of quarterbacks after that. So why make up all the rumors about Zach Wilson? Why does? Because if I'm why if, does San Francisco make up rumors about Mac Jones? Well, I know why. There, that that one makes a little bit more sense. There's more competition in front of them and behind them about who is the quarterback. But well, only one person's in front of them because we all know Trevor Lawrence is one. If you think two is as Zach Wilson as you think it is, what is the purpose for San Francisco at three doing a smokescreen? Maybe they're trying to trick the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they tricked the Jets into taking Mac Jones. Oh man, they, that can't happen. Like everybody, I've seen bigger surprises. Look, everybody gets refired all over again. <laughs> Listen, I, I mean, if I'm the Jets, I'm taking Justin Fields. I'm not doing anything else. That is clearly the number two talent in the draft for me. But you don't say. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I think you. I think you certainly. If the Jets don't take Wilson, I don't know who will because I don't think anyone else is planning for Wilson to be there because they are assuming the Jets are going to take him. Look, I, I get it. And j people want to think, A, maybe Justin Fields is a possible drop. I couldn't put him here for this segment because his tape matches the hype. 
his tape actually disproves the doubters. But that's where I'm at. I'm interested to see what y'all think. Who do you think is going to be the player that has all the hype right now that is going to have a tumble in the draft? All right, welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. Yes, sir. And For this week, we're going to do it a little bit different than we normally do because this one hits home for me in a couple different ways. Those who... Watch the show. Something you should know about me is I love history. Whether it's about sports or the world in general, history is my thing. I could watch black and white documentaries all day. It's exciting to me. And there is a big part of our American history that many people don't know, especially if they don't have HBO Max. And you'll understand why in a second. One NBA player has gone out of his way to make sure that more people know about this history. This week's recipient of the Ballers Bouquet is Russell Westbrook. So this past February, it was announced that Russell Westbrook had a new partnership with the History Channel to produce a documentary about the 1921 Tulsa Massacre. Now, as I was alluding to, those who don't know this history and have not seen the show on HBO Max Watchmen may not be aware of it. And there were many people in our country who were not aware of the 1921 Tulsa Massacre until watching the HBO show Watchmen, who had an episode depicting the violence and destruction of what was then known as Black Wall Street. So for our fans who maybe don't know this story, they're Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is uh, about an hour north of the Texas border, I think, something like that, in Oklahoma. Nice kind of mid-sized town in the 1920 or 19-teens, teens, aughts, and 20s, they had a thriving area known as Black Wall Street. Imagine whatever you live, the most affluent part of your town with businesses and shops and homes, but instead of those people being white or anything else, they were black. All the people who worked there were black, people who shopped there were black, the owners were black. This was one of the kind of meccas of black life in the U.S. in the 20th century. And then in 1921, a bunch of racist people got upset. And as they do. As they do over something that is meaningless in the scheme of things. And they burned it all down and they killed hundreds, if not thousands of people. We're not exactly sure how many people were killed because there's so little evidence and proof left over after this but russell westbrook who is signed on to help be a producer for this documentary he says himself even uh quote the tulsa race massacre was not something i was taught about in school or in any of my history books it was only after spending 11 years in oklahoma that i learned of this deeply troubling and heartbreaking event this is one of many overlooked stories of african americans in this country that deserves to be told these are the stories we must honor and amplify so we can learn from the past and create a better future. 
This is going to be a two-hour documentary. The current working title is Tulsa Burning, the 1921 Race Massacre. It's supposed to be jam-packed. Like, I think it's supposed to actually be good. Like, I am looking forward to watching this. We are going to have a really good documentary filled with uh, Peabody winners, Emmy Award winners. It's going to be produced and directed by all sorts of history and film people who know their stuff. The History Channel put out a news release to announce their partnership with Russell Westbrook. They will also join Russell Westbrook's Why Not Foundation, which we've also featured on the Fire Out Pod before. That foundation seeks to work with children. I believe this new partnership is going to going to help educate children about this event as well as many other Americans and communicate the importance of investing in black communities. And this is so, so important. There's a lot of the dominant narrative in society that black people are not successful because of something that black people did. And that is absolutely not the case. In most of in most cases, 99.9% of cases, I believe, where black people are not successful in this country, it's because of a history of systematic racism and inequality and events like the Tulsa race massacre occurring where black wealth was being created and white people decided that was not okay and they destroyed it. And so the release of this documentary will take an in-depth look at what it was like when we invested in black communities or when black communities invested in themselves and what it looked like to have a thriving black wall street. This documentary is going to feature rare archival footage and imagery from the time weaved in amongst present day stories and interviews from historians and representatives from different organizations. And of course, I assume at least Russell Westbrook. Congratulations, Russ. We look forward to the documentary. I am genuinely excited to see what kind of work you do. Y'all is Tony Playboy. All right. That is it for episode 32 of the Fly Route podcast. As always, we appreciate each and every single one of you for listening, taking the time out of your day to rock with us. We appreciate all of y'all. We want to hear what you think. Hit us up. Let us know. What are you thinking about? What do you want to hear about? Get all up in our DMs. Ironically, DeMarcus said he wanted smoke in the comments on YouTube, and then y'all gave it to him. So thank you. <laughs> I, I, I am genuinely happy when you all are upset with my takes. Come back for more. I have some more spicy stuff next week. So we're loving all the engagement. Keep a lookout for us. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>